You're listening to the Tech Talk Show. Hi there, my name is Sue Nelson and for the next hour we're going to be talking about all things tech as we always do. I'm joined by my fellow presenter. Uh, Today is Lucy Ellis and uh, she's director at Breakthrough Funding, specialising in tech and digital funding. Hi Lucy. Hello, how are you? I'm fine, I'm fine. Just just had some lunch, looking all fresh and right up for this. Rehydrated. Rehydrated, yeah. We've got two lovely studio guests, as we always do have. So we've got Evo Weavers from Get Albert. Welcome Evo. Hello. And we've got Gillian... Kowalczyk, and I think I might have pronounced that you right. You nailed it, yes. Nailed Hello. <laughs> From Safe and the City. Um, so we're going to talk to Evo a little bit later on, although I do think he's, I do hope he's going to interrupt us as we as, as we go through. Um, but I want to talk to Gillian first. Um, just a little bit about you, uh, Gillian. You were born in Canada. I'm, uh, Canadian people get a bit upset when people say, oh, you must be American. <laughs> See, I'm more of a data person, so I go, statistically, you're correct. It's a good guess. But not but you're from Canada. <laughs> but you spent your early years in Yemen. Why, why were you over there? And what, what, and what, what was happening at the time then? Yes, we moved to Yemen uh, when I was, I believe, about five years old for my father's work. So he was in the oil and gas exploration. And it was a long project. So we all ended up moving. But that was really where a lot of my, I guess, memories and um, early childhood memories really came from so quite impactful and definitely now see the the residue of kind of my nomadic lifestyle and now living in London. And you moved in 1994 because of the civil war effectively? Yes yeah Um, unfortunately there was a war between the north and the south and we did have to flee so we of course were privileged that we um, had some our, the company that my dad worked for was also very sorted, sorted yeah. Yeah. Um, but it definitely left, you know, yeah. a memory of all the people we and, behind and, it and, didn't um, have that. Yemen's not a country I know much about. Describe it to me. Can, can you remember? Yeah, I can remember. It was really, it's desert, essentially. Mm. So I think a lot of people can think more about Saudi Arabia than probably sure. Yemen. It's not a tourist spot, unfortunately. Um very historic, proud people, very friendly, very religious, um, very hospitable. I, I do remember a lot of memories of, oh, you know, staff and different people saying, oh, you're my child number nine or one of those things. And it, it felt like that. It could really yeah. go into a lot of places. So in some ways, yeah, it was, it's, um, it was terrible to have to leave under those circumstances because there's so many other great people. Yeah. Yeah, and, and and unfortunately, the news rather rather colours our view of what a country is, isn't it? Because you just see one 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 dimension. Yes, yeah, um, the one side that makes mm, the news. It's a and shame. Um, and and because you'd spent this time in Yemen, uh, you decided just just go off travelling. But most people like you know tip up on Australia and, and do a bit around there. You've done a little bit more than that, haven't you? Yeah, I, I think well from uh, childhood and. We did do a lot of traveling throughout the Middle East, in, in India, um, all throughout Asia. And that really kind of catapulted me when we did return to Canada. And I, I had the choice of where I could travel to <coughs> next that I started to go into maybe some of the less touristy places. But that, you've been to 50 countries. That's yes. not just the odd trip, is it? No, <laughs> that's an addiction, I think. Mm. And, and as a solo traveler as well. 
Yeah, a lot of that more in my, I guess, early 20s. I don't think I was would have been allowed, but it, it really, I think, started with kind of self-exploration and understanding what is it exactly I wanted to do. Unfortunately, I lost both my parents, so that was, you know, kind of reformulating that identity, but also recognizing the privileges that I had to be able to go and work in different countries mm. um, and, Ooh. yeah, gather that experience and recalibrate. So you've also worked in loads of countries, including Uganda, Japan, Australia, New Zealand, and now the UK. And obviously this is the best country to be. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> Joking. Um, but but everything's different, isn't it? Every country's got its different, uh, you know, good sides and bad sides. Definitely. Mm. And I think... Um, my background and passion has always been kind of understanding people. So mm. that's what I studied in my undergrad. And that's what I wanted to kind of be able to look into with public health. Um, so I think with that, I was able to kind of get into, you know, the culture and understand really quite immersive traveler. And I think from that, you know, later on and reflecting, there's a lot of universal kind of truths. And yeah. I think one of them has fed into Safe in the City and how yeah. gender equality really does transform Because there's far more about us that are all the same than the different. And unfortunately, we focus yeah. on the differences, don't we? Yes. So did you ever feel vulnerable or unsafe when you were doing all this travelling on your own? Oh, absolutely. And um, I, I've had friends who've joked either, you know, <coughs> fortunately or unfortunately, I've kind of been a, in a few different um, kind of, less chartered kind of experiences in Uganda. There was the elections, um, which generally creates a lot of military and, and tension. Um, so that was quite scary and sticking out um, as a foreigner. Um, in Japan, there, I was living there when the Fukushima hit. So again, another kind of natural disaster vulnerability. So if anyone's listening, don't go where Jillian's going. Because <laughs> yeah. obviously, obviously there's some sort of thing that's going to happen. There's a pattern. When lucky she, or unlucky. When she's it. left, it's safe to go in. <laughs> exactly. Mm. Um, but I think in just the daily commutes, it definitely could kind of play into that. And you learn the skills and what to look for and... Again, just trusting your intuition mm. a lot so, of the time. Do you think that sometimes, you know, you hear about some teenager that's, that's walked all the way through Africa or something, exaggerating, um, um, but sometimes people say their naivetes manage to, you know, protect them in a way. Mm. Uh, that's not true at all, is it? I mean, I do think you've got to spot early on when situations could be difficult and avoid them. And I always used to say to my kids, um, stay off the radar, Right. You know, don't let anybody clock that you're around or, you know, whatever. So so if you see somebody who's, who's, who you think, you know, could be difficult, um, just stay off their radar. Make sure okay. you don't, you know, they, they don't spot you or, or whatever. Um, yeah. Don't look them in the eye, that's for sure. Um, and, and it is about being able to spot those things up front. And that does help, doesn't it? Definitely. I think that is, you know, part of the lessons that I'm taking, you know, even though I'm going into maybe some less chartered countries and experiences, it doesn't stop me from kind of knowing all of the benefits of doing so. It's just about building that acumen and understanding around yeah. the environments and how you fit into that. Yeah. Eva, have you travelled much? In, you know, did, did you do your sort of travelling around the world before you were serious and sensible and become an adult? <laughs> 
Um, well, as a Dutchman moving to England, um, I think it's much less impressive than what we heard before. <laughs> <laughs> but have um, you ever done that travelling thing? Yeah, we you? went. I, I lived actually in Canada uh, for a while in Kingston. Um, oh right. And right. Uh, for my professional career, we travelled to North America, uh, North America, um, and across Europe. So that's basically. My and and as, uh, have you travelled on your own as a, as, a, as a? You're obviously a chap. Have you travelled on your own as, as a? When I moved to Canada, that was my own. Yeah. Trip. Did you, as a man, did you ever feel unsafe? To be quite honest, the countries I've been to were relatively safe, so I never had that feeling. I think, I think for me though, the difference is that women feel that all the time, and mm. I, th- I think men find that difficult to understand. So, you know, I will, I will from our studios here in Houston walk to St Pancras. It's not far. Mm. If it's dark, I will be quite aware that I'm on my own, even though I've born in this city, I was educated in this city, I work in this city. Um, um, but it but it is in your consciousness, and, and I'm not so sure it is in men's consciousness in the same way. Do, do you think that's a fair comment, Jill? I do. I'm not blaming them, I'm just saying no. that they don't need to feel like that because physically they're, they're stronger and they're bigger. I think I think there's definitely the, the physical, and, and for people who you know can't tell from my voice, I am quite a petite woman as well. So um, I think that you know, discrepancy does play into it. Um, But I think there is something to be said that we've been somewhat conditioned to be afraid from parents, from media, from Mm. a whole sort of, you know, plethora of different influences. I don't think I'm saying I'm afraid because I'm not afraid. That's definitely not the feeling. of the risks. But I'm aware. Yeah, yeah, wary, I think is the word, you know. And I don't don't walk down the road thinking all men are rapists. That's not my (laughs) mindset. But, but, you know, you know that you're physically smaller and less capable of defending yourself. Mm. And, you you know, you're aware of that, I think. Yes. I think we were just discussing before the the, uh, podcast started um, that my girlfriend, was robbed last year in London and we actually before that she was not afraid at all she was quite she felt quite safe Mm. in the areas in London where we move but after an event like that um yeah, just her mindset changed completely yeah, because yeah. it was it had such an impact on. on a I person. mean, there are some pretty awful statistics um, here, aren't there, Gillian? Really, mm-hmm. and and if we're talking about the UK here, um, a national survey showed eighty five percent of women have experienced some form of sexual harassment on the street. Now, eighty five percent—that's massive. So you're talking about practically every adult woman out there who yeah. can move uh, and walk along the streets has actually experienced some form of sexual harassment. Now, I know I have. Yes. I don't get that much anymore because I'm a bit older <laughs> now. I'm not, not so attractive. Uh, I don't think I was attractive then, but um, but but that's got nothing to do with it. No. The, the, the fact is, um, you know, that's a shocking statistic. It is, and I think... Um you know, I can go into the kind of genesis of Safe in the City of why, but that was kind of a reflection of my experiences and the other women Mm. in my communities or that I was speaking with. So that isn't something that we can turn a blind eye and say, oh, it doesn't happen in Canada or the UK. That's, you know, over in India. It it happens everywhere. And it does play into that mindset and that risk and, Mm. you know, potentially limiting the travel or the other experiences that women should have rights to. And again, in this research, um, and we are going to come on to exactly what, you know, what you're doing with your your tech-based company, but according to a survey by Transport for London, and those are the people who run the tubes um, and a few other things, 90% 90 of women who were sexually assaulted or harassed on public transport did not report the incident. 
Uh, now, again, that's shocking. Do we not report the incident because we're embarrassed or do we not report the incident because, A, who's going to believe you and, B, what they're going to do about it? Pretty hard to do something about it. They they did dive into the reasons why and the number one reported reason was that, you know, they didn't think it would make any difference. So that's a really sad kind of, you know, realization that we don't have the um, systems in place really to capture that type of experience. But the problem I've got with that, Jill, is if you don't, and I probably wouldn't either, if it happened to me, um, then that person knows that and therefore they can just carry on and carry on and carry on and carry on. Exactly. And I, I think that's more where the you know ideas came from. It's it's preventing it from someone else having to go through the same patterns, the same, um, mm. and it being a behavior that's somehow tolerated by just kind of ignoring it or pushing it aside or shouldering, shouldering the kind of guilt or mm. blame on yourself. Lucy, does any of this ring true mm. for you? It does, yeah. I'm um, probably one of those stats that didn't report it. So I was on the train about four years ago. And it, to me, it didn't feel like a a big, big thing, which I think you sort of always play it down, don't you? Mm. And it was a Paxis, the Piccadilly line, absolutely shoulder to shoulder. And I could feel that someone was touching me, but I sort of got off the, I was quite thankful to get off the tube, <laughs> honestly. But who, who do you report it to? And uh- uh, but I do think things have changed to some extent yeah, because do. when obviously I'm sort of much older and, and would be travelling on the tube in the 1970s, you expected that to happen to you mm. every day. Wow. I mean, that did happen to you every day and that just is what you have to put up with it. I have seen um, people being sexually assaulted on the, on, on the tube more recently and a woman going, well, I won't even say what she said and screaming at the top of her voice and then a whole bunch of people throwing that person off the train. Mm. And... and I, th- I think the thing for me, though, is is you're in shock a bit. And mm. then you think, hmm, did that, did that happen? actually happen? Yeah. And then who the hell is it? I mean, how can you, if you're in a pack train, how do you, how do you know who it is? Um, I, I think that speaks to a lot of really good uh, charities out there. I know Holler Back does uh, bystander training. So it's trying to, you know, not just take that experience that that one person has to shoulder, but to even address and recognize that that one person has been through something mm. is really helpful to report and also to you know step in and, and know you know that's unacceptable behavior exactly and do you think it's do you think attitudes have changed do you think do you think there's less of it now i mean i i've certainly but i probably don't get groped as much because not, not nobody fancies me anymore really <laughs> no, i'm only joking but but do you know what i mean I, you know obviously as i've got older obviously that's lessened but but did, but is it lessened in society i mean these figures are suggesting not I think it's always been there and, you know, I think potentially it's moving into different forms of it. But I, I do think and I'm hopeful that it is reducing. There's a lot more conversations. I, I think especially um, this year, maybe the crisis year after Trump and Me Too and just mm. this kind of, you know, tidal wave of reporting and media that we're really trying to look for solutions on a really difficult topic to unpack and personal, you know, but, you know, my, my, my problem has been, I, I think that men don't think this actually is as much of a problem as it is. And I'm really sorry, guys, but it is. Yeah. And I think that's what's starting to come out now is we're starting to see some figures and we're starting to see some people saying, oh, yeah, God, yeah, that's happened to me. It happens to me all the time. Um, and, and I think 
that maybe some men begin to find that shocking because they didn't think it was that prevalent and it damn well is and it still is mm-hmm. so if you think it's all solved and it's it's gone away and we've won we we, 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 we certainly haven't have we no and when i well I dive into the details of safe in the city it, uh we definitely um you know, I'm, I'm pitching to technology businesses and, and people in this sector, which are mostly men. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it is a common question. Is this really still a problem or, you know, isn't, that happens in the 60s, 70s yeah. and it's all over now sort of and, thing. Uh, but I think we've really won this, 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 you know, what sort of what, worked through this problem, if you mm-hmm. want, not won, I think, but, but actually, you know, when everybody understands that it is uh, totally and utterly unacceptable mm. and that doesn't still feel like it's quite there yet. No, we have a, <laughs> we have a ways to go. Yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about Safe and the City. Um, it's a London-based technology company, just while you happen to be in this country because you'll be, <laughs> you'll be flitting around here somewhere else. Now, you use, uh, you use GPS uh, and crowdsourced information and police risk data. Mm-hmm. And what you're trying to do is reduce victims of opportunistic crimes and sexual harass- har- harassment so, so, and, and stopping them from feeling unsafe. Is, is, is that, have I got that right in a nutshell? Yes, I know. Let's, let's unpack that because there's yes, a please. lot happening. Yes, yeah, so explain, explain that. <laughs> I'll, I'll take you through kind of the, the idea because I did a, a career pivot from public health um, and working in Uganda and some of these other contexts um, into London. So... Um, I was, uh, you know, new navigating the city using Google Maps, City Mapper, but often finding the shortest, efficient route wasn't necessarily taking me into places that I felt comfortable. Um, so one particular because it's not going to discriminate, is it? It's just going to no, do the shortest. It's just place. the yeah. numbers and the you know of people walking, and that's, yeah. that's all it's based on. So uh, one particular night, I was uh, guided down a dark alleyway where some kitchen staff on break started to catcall and get quite physically kind of aggressive that I felt, wow, if I can't get through this way, like ahead of myself, and this is a narrow alleyway or, or you know, go backwards, what, you know, what am I going to do? And these are all like microsecond thoughts, but luckily kind of been in this situation before, was able to kind of ignore and kind of, stand my ground and carry on walking, um, told them to stop and, um, you know, ended up nothing kind of escalated from there. Uh, and then it was in kind of the conversation following that with a friend of mine to see that she's like, oh yeah, I've been, you know, I've been in that situation before. And knowing that that wasn't a behavior that was isolated just to me, it wasn't what I was wearing. It wasn't, you know, because, you know, I was in the wrong the, place. the problem is you do think you've done something wrong, don't you? You think, oh, silly me, because oh, I haven't done this and I haven't done yeah, that. Yeah, I trusted, you yeah. know, these, this navigation. So you're blaming yourself for that? In some ways, but that's where I started to think, well, if I had knowledge of, you know, what had happened potentially, probably to many other women who've walked that same route, I would ha- feel that I could change my route and potentially avoid that situation but then if it did happen, which it did, I could report it and leave that for someone else. And because they were associated with a business, this is something that their employers would probably be very interested to know yeah. that th- this is a behavior that mm. may stop people from entering into their business, but they would never know about. 
Yeah. I mean, there's the considerate constructor scheme, isn't there? Yes. And that has changed. That's definitely changed behaviour because it did feel like you were completely and utterly, you know, fair game for any builder mm. who obviously didn't look particularly attractive themselves to, <laughs> to, to be <laughs> shouting out all sorts yeah. of stuff that, that, that was totally and utterly unacceptable. Mm. That That's definitely changed, I feel, Lucy, don't you? And yeah, I still think you've got the odds yeah. occasion because obviously not everyone's going to follow the rules, mm. but... It's, I mean, I was just saying a previous job of mine, I used to walk into a construction site and little me, <laughs> high vis and hard hat. And it was actually quite easy because you had that respect because there's those things in place. So. Yeah, yeah. And, and some of those schemes are working really mm. well. But as you say, a lot of employers, especially if they're small ones, wouldn't even know that their, their staff were mm. acting like that. Exactly. But it's part of their brand. It <laughs> is, exactly. Mm. So with the 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 app that you can download now, it um, gives you that advance notice. So of what crimes you're walking into before you're in a situation. So some of the hotspot areas of um, moped thefts, you know, there's this criminology designing out crime kind of backstory that, you know, if you have a really great opportunity to commit a crime, then why wouldn't you take it? And we want to address the same problem towards antisocial behaviors focused on sexual harassment, which of course can happen to men and women, mm. but it predominantly, as you mentioned, those figures is a lot more weighted to women. So what you're doing um, essentially is you're, you're flagging up hotspots where, where there is potential danger, not necessarily danger, but potential danger, so that you can plan a route or you can decide, you know, you, you, you could design it out of your life, really. That's <laughs> what I'm saying. Um, so that design you can work, a report. Yeah, yeah, so that you can work your way around it. Yeah, so again, we're working kind of with the with the police information that we have, so the kind of the best available evidence for you know people new or just not even aware of these types of robberies and things mm. that happen, um, to give them a, them an alert before they walk into that intersection, put their phone away, pay attention, change their body language, but then also you know that's only the tip of the iceberg of what happens and is reported to the police. So that's where the crowdsource user feedback comes in related to sexual harassment so it's actually focused on you know the patterns and trends just behavior that is currently not being captured hmm. very useful i think mm. i'm gonna so can it. i so can <laughs> i download it now yeah yep. yes you can and how does it actually work what does it look like uh, oh, so is it like a map or, it or, is it yeah. it acts like a navigation tool so yep. very similar to google maps you plot in your destination um and then you see almost, if you're familiar with Waze, it's a traffic um, crowdsourcing app. It gives you indications of the, those intersections of risk and that, that alert will vibrate and give you an on display mm. um, to exercise extra caution. And then you can interact with the data so you can read almost like the Me Too, the stories around these um, geolocation marks um, on the map. Do you think this will make women uh, feel less safe, though? That if you've got that amount of data, because we don't want people not to go out. Or, no. or, and sometimes the fear of crime is worse. You know, than, than the, you know it's exaggerating worse than you know the actual crime levels itself. Definitely, it's, it's a difficult one to answer, isn't it? It is, and I wish we could say we have a perfect <coughs> solution for it. Um, what we're trying to address is, you know, those unreported behaviours. But then in our next versions, we're also rate, rating the walk. So, you know, like your Uber cab, you rate the, you know, the driver. But this is rating the walk based on, you know, lighting, your intuition of street safety and people around you. So then 
from that data, we can really start to piece your perceptions compared to mine on you know how safe you feel, but feed that back to government and businesses yeah. mm-hmm. to say, actually, there's not enough lighting here. People do yeah. not feel safe. Some other, other more sort of inf- infrastructural policy solutions. Exactly. Evo, have you got any thoughts on this at all? Um, like, I think it's, uh, well, first of all, for a man, it's, it's something that's hard to understand, but it mm. becomes much easier to understand when it gets close to you. Mm. Um, so it's a, it's a bad event that triggers understanding. Mm. Um, which is maybe not the best way to go about it, but that's that's how it's entered our lives. Um, so I'm really glad that this is, like it's get it's getting attention. Thank you, jolly good. So if you want to f- if you want to download the app, uh, it is safeandthecity.com. Yes. So it's not sexandthecity.com. It's, it's safeandthecity.com. Yeah, so safeandthecity.com. Um, free to download. Free to download. Free to download. And, and obviously soon. And Android soon. And obviously, the more people who can use it, the, 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 the better and more useful it's going to be. Exactly. We're working with businesses to pr- become trained safe sites. So, yeah. again, on your walk, we want to try to reduce that amount of fear by have you knowing what brands are tackling sexual harassment, but also are trained in an emergency what to do. Yeah. So that's something that we want to change and create that data so we can actually show what we're doing with it for people mm, very good right. and you're looking for funding we are looking for funding uh we're raising three hundred thousand pounds um and we are operating as a for pro- for profit or sorry a mission driven business so trying to measure impact as we go along but profit for it. purpose I like profit for purpose that, that was it <laughs> you, you had it before and i was like oh no. profit for purpose profit yeah, for purpose. yeah yeah why not very good okay so um if anybody's interested in that go on safe and the city.com and if there's anybody wandering around with a, a, a you know bulging pockets full of money and um, please get hold of jillian obviously and <laughs> um, we're gonna have a little bit of break and then we're gonna talk to evo i'll speak to you in a minute Listen up then, uh, we never realised that we could get a hefty government payout for innovation. Thought it was just for those high-tech boys down south. Not a down-to-earth bunch like us. We did it, thanks to you lot and the really helpful guys at Breakthrough Funding. Yeah! Sorry, just slipped out. Easy money then, boss! Not at all. It's a cash reward for showing how innovative ideas can reap benefits all round. Your company could qualify for innovation cash too. Find out online now by answering just six qualifying questions at BreakthroughFunding.com. Yeah! And uh, you're back with the Tech Talk Show. We've been talking to Gillian, and I've forgotten how to pronounce your surname. Kowalczyk. Kowalczyk. Uh, about Safe in the City. Um, pretty serious topic, and, and maybe we'll be seeing more technology to try and try and see how we can solve some of those problems. So I'll definitely download that. Um, Evo Weavers from Get Albert. Now, before we talk about uh, Get Albert, um, you've, you've published quite a few books, haven't you, really? Don't be <laughs> modest. Come on. Uh, I've contributed to a couple of books. Yeah, and in particular, sort of designing designing mobile apps and and, and stuff like that. Why did you think those were needed? Because people are designing rubbish apps. Um, So I think, like, where I come from is from a digital design background. And Mm. what happens a lot in in the digital world is that technology is well understood, but actually there's a person interacting with that technology. Yeah. And this interaction... Um, is really important. Um, if you don't understand that well, then 
the technology or the app becomes a rubbish piece of software. Um, so te technically, it could be amazing. You, you could have could written amazing, yes. the most perfect piece of code that was as efficient as possible, but nobody's going to use it because it doesn't it doesn't do anything for if them. If people don't understand it, yeah, it'll be hard to use. Right? Mm. So, so um, we've got to. I mean, I mean, we've talked quite a lot on this program about people falling in love with the solution and not with the problem. Mm. They get tied up and very interested in how that's going to work. But it's got to do something for somebody. It's got to solve a problem. It's, it's got to make their life easier, hasn't it? Exactly. So it depends on the purpose. Um, I worked in the car industry where you try to make car driving safer uh, for the driver by designing uh, interfaces. Um, medical industry where we helped the cardiologist to make better diagnosis of uh, data from the heart. Um, and now we are in finances where we try to alleviate financial stress, but it has to solve a problem for the end user in the end. And a real problem. A real problem, yes. Mm. And I think, um, obviously, talking to um, Gillian, that is solving a real problem. It, you, it is a very you know it's real a problem. problem. And, yeah. and I think the task you've got is how do, how do we make it easy for somebody to use? How do, you know, how do we get it populated? Yes. How, I need, how do we I get need it to talk to you after. <laughs> <laughs> um, but what you're saying, Evo, is you've, you've got to start in that place. Don't, you know, design an app just because you can. And, and, and it's interesting. If there isn't, a, you know, if it's not solving a problem, it isn't a use, you, you are going to waste your time because nobody's going to download it, are they? Yeah, I think it has to start with the niggle. Hmm. It has to be something that triggers you to, hmm. to to try to solve it. I think. Now, the other thing, obviously, that, that that's to do with your business is, uh, as of June two thousand seventeen, so so less than a year ago, there are a total of two hundred ninety two thousand program and software developers in the UK. So, well over a quarter of a million uh, people doing that, often in micro businesses or or, or you know as subcontractors or, or, or freelancers. Um, and a lot of those people could be amazing at what they're doing, but actually they are still running a business, aren't they? It doesn't matter if you're just on your own. You've still got to submit, you know, some expenses or you've got to issue invoices. Um, so so it's, it's all fine, but you are actually running a little mini business. Uh, you are. and um, But I think the, that a lot of people are really good at their craft. So people in software or... Gardener who's really good at landscaping, mm. makeup artist who's fantastic at fashion. Um, they're often really good at their crafts, but can't be bothered about their finances because it's so boring. Um, huh. so but the problem is, you're not going to survive unless you unless you get that right. No, exactly. And, and and you won't you can't carry on being a makeup designer if if you don't make up if you don't make money. You're going to have to go and work in Sainsbury's and then do that in the evening because you're not making money. So you've got to concentrate on that bit. I agree. I just think that. Um, traditionally, the way to go about it was quite alienating for the majority of these people, mm. and we can make it much simpler. So, what do you mean by that? Do you mean that um, you're thinking, "Oh, I've got to keep records. Oh, I've got to keep records. I'll, I'll keep these invoices on a spreadsheet, or I'll get, you know, zero or something, and I'll do that." But actually, I don't really know what I'm doing. I'll just do it every couple of months. Or, or what do you mean by traditionally sort of boring? Yeah, I think that the the ways to do that in the past used to be the boring, laborious ways. Mm. And I think nowadays we are in a time where we can help people in a much better way. So um, I think we shouldn't live in a, like we shouldn't live in a, in a time where people have to do stuff that they don't like. Oh, I um, wish. 
Exactly. I mean, I, I, the thing that really gives me the ump is I hate taking the rubbish out. Exactly. So why, isn't that, it. Like, why isn't that automated? I want somebody <laughs> to do it for me. You exactly. know, that sort of stuff. But, exactly. but, but joking, I'm trying to yeah, teach my dog what it is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but joking aside, you know, there are some things that we just hate. And, and, yeah. and those are the things, I guess, is what you're saying, are the things we're most likely to, to, to give to technology or to give to somebody else to do because we just we just don't want to do it. I mean, I don't exactly. like cleaning my bathroom either. Exactly. Yeah. I've got a lovely lady called Dawn who comes and does it and she <laughs> likes doing it, so that's fine. Yeah. Um, but that's what you're saying about technology, trying to find somebody that will come and do those things that you hate. Exactly, and therefore helping you to stay more on top of it and take mm. away the stress around it. Yeah. Because I think you're totally right. Uh, the financial part is a really important element of running your business but you know if you don't like it then there's a conflict there mm, I would say if you're running a business you're going to have to get to like it because actually it's not just about keeping those records there's quite a lot of things that you've got to keep you know legally got to as do well, and if you well. don't you are going to get yourself into trouble Correct. at least being fined if not you know other things so you know even if you're a sole trader you're going to have to do your accounts you know at the end of year yeah. and stuff like that and pay your tax and fill in your self-assessment yeah. uh, and if you're a company you've got to file your tax returns and do and do exactly the same and if you Correct. don't keep those records you, you you're just going to get into trouble and i think lucy the fines are quite big aren't they if you if you don't That's file it, stuff yeah. now mm. and they go up within days as well of yeah, not doing if you don't things. do it, it goes a week up a yeah. week after week it just goes up and up so but that's what you find with a lot of sole traders or startups they're really good at whatever what, actually, what the business <laughs> yeah. is but then they're not going to be great at all the being the finance director, being the marketing director, being the managing di- managing director even. It's the actual job that they're good at. Mm. Well, that's, that's a difficult thing where we talk about scale-ups mm. and, and, and sort of high growth. So, Eva, your background, um, you've received multiple awards, I know, including the Cairns Gold Mobile Lion and the Beamer Innovation Award oh, yeah. um, for your banking app work. Correct. Yeah. Do you like banking apps then? I mean, if that was one of the things that, you know, I was, you know, could somebody could take off me sitting and writing an app for a bank, probably not one of them. But, um, you know, what drew drew you to that? I presume it was really new at the time. Yeah, we, um, it was new by the time, it was 2012. Um, I was from, for two of the major UK banks, we built their first banking apps. Um, I think what, what interests me is, is because it's a space that is so far removed from, the majority of the people, but a lot of people are impacted by it. Mm. Um, and now, because there are so many changes happening in this space, um, there are opportunities for real change um, and for somebody in tech that, that makes it really interesting. Mm. Um, so, yeah, with these uh, mobile banking apps, we were building something for over a million users. Um, and that's interesting. <laughs> so, yeah. So, so unlike most apps then, so if I'm an entrepreneur, I'll build an app, I, I try and get it on the app store and, and I try and hope, if I've got some marketing budget or whatever, that people will be drawn to it and then gradually I'll get my app downloaded. It's really different if you're a bank and you're suddenly launching your banking app because you've got, I don't know, hundreds of thousands of customers who are all going to download it within the next two weeks and it better, it better be right. It's a, yeah. it's a, that's a hugely, it, well, it's, a, it's a different problem and it's a really difficult problem, isn't it? It's a difficult problem in terms of scale, it's also, you know, there's a, it's your finance, the social security has to be handled well. Mm. Um, you know, if you think about your Android phone or iPhone, yeah. there the, are the different considerations there. Um, so, and it's 
changes how people think about things. So before we saw people logging into their online banking at nine o'clock in the morning on Sundays, but suddenly when it's on your mobile, people do it every day, a couple of times. Mm. So the way suddenly how a lot of time, a lot. Yeah, exactly. I tell you, with the company bank account, I'm looking at it every hour. <laughs> mm. um, so yeah, so it changes behaviors of people, right? Yeah. And, I think that's important to like to see, and and um, you know this thing about transferring money. Yeah. Uh, somebody sent a check to the office the other What's week. That? Exactly, <laughs> that's yeah, not financial control. And he was seen one before because he's only about twenty-four. Yeah. But but um, y- you know, there's still an old-fashioned track of something happening. Yeah. But there's a whole swathe of users now who are expecting transfers to happen immediately, yeah. so, so that you know money disappears from my bank account and it's literally in somebody else's bank account. Uh, within an hour yeah. um, and and that's what consumers are expecting isn't it i think so i think mm. there's this immediacy um and especially the younger generations that this immediacy instant communication yeah um the reasons why you know apps like whatsapp are so popular because it's instant feedback um yeah. and that's why i think um also for finances this becomes a crucial mm. element yeah so so if i can just before we go on to what you're doing at the moment with get albert can I just have a critique of all the banking apps? So uh, I've been with NatWest. That was okay. Um, he's getting really, <laughs> he's getting really twitchy here. It's okay. I'm saying it. You don't have to say anything. Um, and uh, uh, I'm with Metro Bank. Okay, yeah. that's quite interesting because you could that. go into Metro Bank and you, you literally could open an account with an hour and walk out with a card, which I'm very, very impressed with that. Yeah. Um, and I find a banking app that that's all okay, and yeah. and they do Apple Pay, so that's cool. Yeah. Um, and then I've got uh, Monzo. Yeah. No Apple Pay, so that's that's a ba- that's a that's a black mark for me because because mm. I just I just take my phone with me. I don't take cards, so so if you can't pay by Apple Pay, I'm a bit, a bit stuffed. Um, I presume they'll get that online at some point. Possibly, yeah. you're t- you're ducking right out of this conversation. <laughs> but uh, with our business, we're, with, know, we're with Handels Bankham, and I love Handels Bankham because they are a great bank. You can ring up your bank manager and he talks to you. There's no, you know, none of these call centres or anything. Like that. They're really, really responsive and really, really central. Great. God, their banking apps useless. Yeah, they need to sort it out. <laughs> if anybody from Handels Bankham's there and they're really high up, can you sort your app out? Um, because you have to insert this. A 12-digit number every time you do something. Yeah. And, and their letters and numbers and capital it's letters. It's actually people like counting on their, oh, their hands. Yeah. I mean, just to spend £2.50 on a sandwich, no, it's not going to happen. Yeah. They need to sort that out. Um, and it's, it's pretty clunky and the website's rubbish as well. But, 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 um, but, but they're an amazing bank in terms of customer service. So, Handles Banking. Yeah, yeah. Crack on. Definitely. <laughs> Definitely, yeah. Um, but but uh, the apps are incredible, if you think about it, because even five years ago, if you couldn't just transfer money just like that. No, exactly. And I think um, it helps a lot of people. Like, yeah. Yeah, if you're with your buddies together. Yeah, I mean, I can literally stand somebody and we'll go, exactly. I'll, I'll book the holiday, oh, you do that, right, I'll transfer the money now. And you can literally be standing next exactly. to them. Mm. And it removes, like, you know, feel of guilt that I still need to pay someone or, yeah. you know, like, yeah. so it's, I think it's, brilliant and it will solve a lot of things yeah so, so i've got a small business um i'm great at whatever i do let's say it's designing apps mm. um i've i've got to keep some type of accounts started yeah. maybe employing the odd subcontractor and stuff like that i've got a banking app and now let's face it th- those are good as well in my business yeah. and i've probably got an online system like zero or, or, or Clearbooks or something like that the majority not actually so, oh, okay. so if you look at the market 70 percent of the sole traders 
they don't use accounting software. Um, what do they do then? They use traditional tools like uh, shoeboxes, Excel, Word, online banking. And Excel on a shoebox. Yeah. A shoebox where they just put receipts in and put it next to their Excel desk to keep their or their invoices. bed or something. Yeah, and then uh, under their bed, exactly. Um, and then get it out every six months and go, oh my God, I've got to go through that. Exactly. And then the mm. invoices in Excel and online banking in a separate system. And this is exactly the reason why it's causing stress because I don't. So I, inefficient, though, Eva. And I have no. How much I, time does that take? Exactly. So that's that's a big problem. And and, and you recognise that problem. That's what you're not in that camp, though, are you? A little bit. <laughs> <laughs> have you got a shoebox? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So so you recognise that as a problem, and yeah. and and so so what have you come up with to solve that problem? Yeah. So what so what happened was uh, me and my co-founder we traveled a lot for our previous job uh, to the US and um, we figured out it was really hard to understand where we were financially in a month to get a picture of you know, what can we spend, mm. like what do we have. Um, and we wanted that on a mobile phone because we were on the go all the yeah, time. Yeah. Um, so, and we didn't understand that it wasn't available. So that's kind of, it was a very immediate personal need. Because the problem is if you look at a bank account and use the bank account as where you are, that doesn't tell you whether you've got to pay something in two weeks' time or, or, or you know, whatever. So exactly. using a bank account is a very dangerous thing for taking the temperature of where you are. Yeah, it doesn't tell you what is outstanding, so what mm. people will say what you pay you or yeah. like what your tax liability is. Mm. Uh, so there, it doesn't give a clear picture of what you might be at the end of the month. Especially when you think, oh, there's quite a lot in there. I'll go and, I'll go and get something, buy a new yeah. pair of yeah. shoes or something. Exactly. Um, and actually, Let's go shopping. <laughs> and actually, you've, you've got a whole bunch of bills stacking up that you, that you haven't realised. Exactly. So, exactly. So taking the temperature of your business by the bank account is quite dangerous. Yeah. Um, what does Get Albert do then? So Get Albert actually brings everything together uh, and also automates most of these boring stuff, uh, these boring tasks for you. So... There's a fundamental change happening in the financial world where um, you will be able to um, connect additional services with with your bank account. And that's what we do. So um, in Albert, you can bring together your bank data, your info, you, you can send invoices and you can also fi file your expenses. And that's really everything you need. But by doing that, it gets everything together um, and it gives, gives you one overview of where you are in a month. So um, is it something like Zero, which actually does all those things as well? It's just that it's incredibly, it's much, 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 much simpler and m m much more. I don't mean I don't mean that to be a detrimental thing, but much easier to use and on a much more basic level. So you haven't got ridiculous amounts of functionality which you don't need. You've just got the very basic things which you do need in a very simple way in your mobile. So I think mm. Zero and other ones like QuickBooks, I think they're really good at addressing little bit larger businesses yeah, exactly. who have stock or payroll, all these kind of things. Yeah. Uh, but the majority of the people don't need these bells and whistles and they just expect a phone, mm. like an app that works as WhatsApp or yeah. what works as their email app almost. And very intuitive. Very intuitive and almost takes care of everything for you automatically. So that's, so we try to help other, other group of people. Yeah, so like my mum, Right, she's got a mobile phone. I keep trying very to get a, um, yeah. an iPhone. No, it's not very good, Evo. No, it's no, dreadful. It's <laughs> um, but uh, actually, she doesn't really want a mobile phone. She wants a phone that's different, that's literally just got 
the numbers on it. Yeah. She, she's not gonna. She, she's not gonna send a photo in a million years. And yeah. but she, she just wants to text. You know, yeah. stuff like that. If she had a phone that just had very limited functionality, she would get much more out of it. Um, and that's exactly what you're doing, isn't it? You're you're just having the functionality that you need, and and not the stuff you know that's going to confuse things. Exactly. Exactly. That's the that, that's the whole idea. Yeah. So mm. it makes it it makes like it, it makes like life simpler for. Yeah. No, the, the one man. And person. stop you getting into trouble. Hopefully, um, yeah. Gillian, are you good at keeping the... I know you've just started your business. Are you good at this side? Uh, it's more the boring kind of things I sometimes procrastinate on, but I, I'm lucky that there's there are some uh, services out there. F6S has an accounting uh, program, so I'm in that, but learning as I go as well. So it can be kind of cumbersome and then it's one of many things stacking on the plate that um but it, but if you're going to go for funding yes. you have to have all that absolutely up to date and yeah. and clear because nobody's going to fund you if, if if you haven't got the basics right underneath in the way that you run the, your exactly. business exactly no and we have a lot of it automated we're with quickbooks but Maybe we need to switch to uh, get Albert, mm. but uh, yeah. But as you say, I think it depends on depends on your size, doesn't it? It does. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And and what about um, subcontractors or, or people who just literally one man bands? Uh, you know, not necessarily a tech business, but 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 any, any you know anybody else would, would that suit them too? That's the, actually the majority who uses mm. Albert. So mm. we have everybody from the dog walker on the Shetland Islands to the <laughs> painter in Devon to the high-end consultant in London. Mm. So we have a wide variety of people, but mostly people who are on the go by themselves, work from their mobile. That's, that's kind of, I think, a natural fit for like what we're trying to mm. do. And Lucy, I know you've got quite a lot of experience working on like construction sites and working you know, in the building sector. The building sector is full of people who are, are sort of self-employed mm. or, or you know, a very small group of people like plumbers and, and um, you know, carpenters and all, all sorts of other things. Um, do they get themselves into trouble over there? <laughs> do they? <laughs> I don't know. Um, do they? All the time. Yeah. Mm. I mean, it's especially the self-assessment deadlines. They're always sort of going over that. And that's why I think Get Albert's so brilliant because it's, it is an FD in your and, pocket. Isn't and and it? the self-assessment, just, just just explain that and that process. It, what is, I mean, there's a deadline. Is that the 31st of January there's deadline? There's two deadlines, isn't there? Yeah. So there's the October 31st deadline, which is for paper which I think is probably quite rare that people are still submitting paper returns. Yeah. Um, so the main one is the 31st of January. Um, so if you don't actually get it in by that deadline, then you then face £100 fee straight away and then it builds it up. And I can't quote the actual mm-hmm. deadline times, but if you haven't paid by April, it will go up by another thousands. Yeah. And I think... I don't know the actual maximum, mm. but it's, it's in the thousands. And it's yeah. a lot, yeah. Just for um, someone forgetting to. And and again, if you're in something like construction, mm. you're going to have a lot of receipts, aren't you, for for maybe materials or Petrol, tools. So so say yeah. you're going to Travis Perkins or being or whatever it is to get your you know you load up. Um, what do these guys normally do? Do they, they do they literally get receipts and shove them in a shoebox? Yeah, uh, or even if they haven't got a shoebox, um, it will be the glove box in their car or in the visor. <laughs> yeah. You'll quite often there'll be loads of faded receipts as well because if you've got a receipt in your car or even in the shoebox, there's only so many months it's going to stay mm. clear ink basically, and they really got a load of 
a shoebox full of um, yeah. paper. Exactly. And <laughs> with a lot of money, you potentially could claim back, right? Yeah, exactly. And uh, so much is missed. People yeah. lose out of money on that. Exactly. Yeah. And, and some of those jobs are not particularly well paid. And, and actually not claiming stuff just means you're paying tax when you don't have to. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Mm. So you need to get Albert. Very good. Um, uh, so if you're finding yourself in that position um we would really really advocate i mean i know you work you've worked with a lot of these types Mm. of guys haven't you um lucy we'd really really advocate that try and get sorted because in the long run you're going to be thousands of pounds better off a year Um, and you don't want to get yourself into trouble with hmrc because it's just not worth it and you never win (laughs) exactly don't go there um and and uh, maybe look at getalbert.com um spelled exactly as as it sounds and and try and get as much help as you can um and definitely go on there so thank you very much evo thank you very much um jillian Thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, if, if you want to simplify yours, you might want to have a quick look at it. <laughs> um, and you can find out all about Gillian's um, Safe and the City, uh, which is a really good idea, safeandthecity.com. So you've been listening to the Tech Talk Show. Thanks very much, Lucy. More, more stuff I've learned again. For me. Yeah. More stuff that I've learned again. Um, and uh, we're now syndicated to dozens of radio stations across the UK and further afield. And you can also catch us on the podcast app on your phone through iTunes, Podbean, and of course on our website, which is Tech Talk Show UK. No, it's techtalkshow.co.uk. And if you want to recommend any future guests, we love speaking to people doing things that are different uh, and groundbreaking in the tech sector. Get in touch with us via Twitter on at techtalkshowuk. And we look forward to speaking to you next week. Bye now.